0: It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7 used by millions of people every day flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward get started now at flipboard.com that's flipboard.com hello welcome to episode 8 of the popcast the pop culture podcast from vernacular i'm your host josh goldman Each week we will dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. Third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed but should definitely check out. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host and wife, Maureen. Maureen, how are you? Hi,
1: I'm great. Maureen,
0: we are also joined tonight by a pile of dirty laundry. Yeah, (laughs) and our
1: cutie, cutie cat who's currently burrowing under a blanket on our bed like a little angel. This is
0: week two that Oliver has been allowed into the room while we record, and so far... He is proving Maureen right, that he is behaving.
1: Also, shout out to our pile of laundry because it's proving a very nice stand for my computer with all my notes on it. So I'm really into this
0: setup. Maureen, how is your week going so far? Good. You appear to be getting a little bit of a cold.
1: I am getting a little bit of a cold, but I'm chugging Emergency like it's my job. I'm going to go to bed immediately upon wrapping this podcast.
0: Wouldn't it be great if Emergency sponsored this podcast? Oh, please, just sponsor my life. I've
1: loved you for 10 years, 12 years, really. I discovered
0: you in college. What if every week we just set a new product and asked them to sponsor us? That'd be good. Maybe one would actually sponsor us. Stay tuned. So, just to set the scene for you guys, Maureen has rejected the tiny table that we used last week. We are back propping our equipment on a an ottoman. From I'm a, on the floor, Maureen's Very on the comfortably. floor. She is dressed to the nines. She is in long pants, a long sleeve shirt.
1: This is an audio show, no And one cares. a blanket, but it's I'm in freezing
0: and, in here. <laughs> I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. I don't, I don't agree with that assessment. But anyway, she is getting sick, so maybe that's.
1: Okay, That's Josh, the reason. let's jump into pop culture and talk about how I made all your dreams come true, and we went to the movies on Saturday. You make my dreams come true. Ooh, taking a page out of my book. That's right. Also, my mom helped, because yes. she watched
0: Caleb. Yes, Maureen's mom watched Caleb, so we were able to go see Mission Impossible Fallout on Saturday. Thanks, Mom. This was a great treat, because not only do we not see a lot of movies in the theaters, we rarely see them the opening weekend, but we did get out to see this one, so thank you, Maureen for letting us go see that. Maureen, what were your impressions?
1: I loved it. I thought it was very entertaining. Tom Cruise, as we discussed last week, looks amazing. Yeah, he really does. He's incredibly fit. He runs like a freak show who's like the most athletic person you've ever seen. His stunts were phenomenal. And I they mean,
0: and they were impressive on the big screen, right? I mean that that, that's, yeah. that that to me was The one where he broke his foot was the least impressive, but the helicopter work was like Yeah, the helicopter unreal. scene. So we saw the movie in 3D. I would say that you don't need to see it in 3D. It didn't add much. It didn't really detract either, but but I would say if you're going to see it, you don't necessarily need to see it in 3D. But overall, very good. Not my favorite. I think Mission Impossible Rogue Nation number 5 is still my favorite, but overall I I think this one was really good.
1: Yeah, it was very entertaining. To I see would
0: it. I would uh I would even see it again in theaters. I know Maureen would never. What? But I might by myself.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay.
0: But Maureen, to your point last week, you wanted to know how audiences reacted to this because I said, "Hey, the Rotten Tomatoes score was a 97%," but you said, "Hey, that's just critics." I want to know what the audiences think, and Maureen, the audiences have spoken. And it received an A cinema score. Yay, Mission Impossible. Oh, you did it, Tom. All of you, buddy. So an A is really good. It's it's not the best. A plus is obviously the best, but very few films get an A plus rating. So uh, if you're still on the fence about seeing Mission Impossible Fallout, we give it two thumbs up. Tom
1: and... Cruise, sponsor our
0: podcast. Oh, man, that would be good.
1: <laughs> All right, let's jump into the snack bag. Um, so the first topic tonight is about a new song New ish song that has just broken some records. So, BB Rexa um, has a song called Meant to Be featuring Florida Georgia Line, and it has now broken a new record on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. It's been number one for 35 weeks.
0: 35 weeks. It it breaks the record set by Sam Hunt's song, Body Like a Back Road. That's an interesting title. That, that's a good th-
1: song. Yeah, okay.
0: But the title is weird. Bryce Harper loves that song.
1: You should love that song because Bryce loves it.
0: Yes, I'm a big fan of the Washington Nationals, and Bryce Harper is one of the players. He likes that song. Anyway, Maureen, what are your thoughts on this song? 35 weeks—that's a long time. That's more than half the year for it to be number one on a chart. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I okay. I think a couple things. One, the song itself—totally fine. Like I wouldn't turn it off when it was on the radio. It's catchy you know, like listening to it, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. I don't like love it. It's never going to be my anthem or like my ringtone before we just had everything on silent. Um, but it's totally fine. I, I can see why it's catchy and why it's popular. That being said, the music video, which was in this article that we were reading about it, breaking the record, the music video is atrocious. I mean, I just, again, the song's great. What, the, the music video, the story makes no sense. I, they have Bibi like hitchhiking. First of all, every shot she's in, her boobs are completely like visible. Like they're just hiking up. I, I mean, it's just not appropriate. Um, it's not tasteful cleavage. And she's beautiful. She's a beautiful girl. And they just have her looking a little trashy, in my opinion. And they have her hitchhiking. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense with what the song's about. Like, if it's meant to be, let it be. Like, what? While you're hitchhiking? And then at the end, she's waiting tables. And there's a scene of her next to an amp, like, rocking out in her waitress uniform behind the diner. It's all just very confusing. So, uh, music video, totally lame. Song, you know, fine.
0: Maureen, my thoughts on the song... I don't know. I don't listen to much country music anymore. I, I used to be more into it, but is this typical of country music? I mean, these the, the voices from this band, Florida Georgia Line, they are not good. I think that is. It's almost that's fake. an opinion. They're a little well, twangy. It's almost it, but they, but
1: that's a style. But twangy, I,
0: mean, I don't mind. It almost sounds fake. It almost sounds like they're not from the South. They're not really from the Florida-Georgia line? Is I, that where they're from?
1: I don't know where they're from.
0: I mean, you would assume based on the band's name.
1: I think they're definitely from the South.
0: But it just almost sounds fake. I, I, it's not something I would want to listen to over and over. Not Certainly not for 35 straight weeks. Well, everyone else does, so. Maureen, our second snack bag topic this week. You're familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies that we've talked about on the podcast before. Directed and written both by... This man named James Gunn. Oh, I
1: didn't know he wrote them.
0: Yeah. he Well, he co-wrote the first one, and he wrote the second one solo. His brother, Sean Gunn, is on one of <gasps> your Girls. favorite shows. Kirk. Gilmore Girls. Um, so anyway, in the news the past couple weeks, um, some of his tweets from 2008 to 2012 have resurfaced. And, you know, for people who tweet a lot, these get really buried on the site. But basically, he had some tweets back in the day, that made light of pedophilia and child abuse. And, of course, as in this day and age usually happens, there was this huge outrage and backlash. He issued an apology. Disney promptly fired him from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which he wrote and was about to start directing in January. And then the most recent news is that the main cast from the film, so that's Chris Pratt, that's Bradley Cooper. That's Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. That's Dave Bautista. Vin Diesel. All of these people came out and said, "Actually, we support him. We think that he, we certainly don't condone what he said, but people make mistakes. People change," and the cast's letter is beautifully written. By the way, it is very like
1: thoughtful and and. Um, they make it clear that they do not support what he said, but that they support him as the person he is today, rather than, what was it? How many years ago? Almost 10. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, the, their letter is worth reading. I thought it was beautifully written and beautifully said.
0: I'm worried. I, w- I want to ask yeah. you. I want to ask you. Okay. So you, you, t- you said to me before you started recording that, obviously, some of the stuff he said is just not good.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at them again now. But it's gross like it's really now i don't think he's necessary i don't get the sense from reading these tweets that he is like endorsing pedophilia or anything like that i feel like he is saying gross disgusting things that involve inappropriate situations with children and like he's trying to like i don't know make a big splash on twitter it's it's gross if i were disney i would not want him you know on the payroll. Now that being said, he has come out, the director himself has come out and said, "I'm so sorry. I was at that point in my life, I was making, you know, bad decisions and I was just trying to make a statement, like I was trying to be provocative and whatever, whatever." And that's not who he is today and I get that. So, I'm I'm a little torn. I think from my perspective, when you are putting things out on social media, I mean, we know in this day and age that that stuff doesn't go away. And what you put out is a reflection of who you are. And it's a time capsule. So I think the fact that – and if it was 10 years ago, that was like four years after Facebook started. This was like in the social media. It's not like it was brand new and he didn't know this would be – You know, I don't know. I cannot
0: imagine personally ever putting out anything that inappropriate. I think what's interesting though is that there had been a lot – that came out that said Disney actually knew about this when they first hired him, that he sort of made them aware that he'd made these comments or that someone well, that's made very them aware. Different then. And then all of a sudden when they were sort of dredged up now that that's when he was let go from the project and really they severed ties with him. So I don't know. It's so, it's so tricky. I I just have to agree with you. Like nothing that you put online will ever go away. Honestly, if you're a celebrity, I, if you're anybody who's ever posted something like this, why do you not just go on now and just delete it? I mean, if, if that's if you don't really believe that's who you are, then just go on and delete it. I just do not understand, especially these people with agents and managers and publicists, how this stuff gets left online.
1: But I, okay, don't post it to begin with.
0: No, that's true. I, I going back
1: and deleting it. I'm sure there are you know the time machine apps and all of these things that could go back and. And people could get screenshots of it or whatever. I'm sure there are still ways for people to narc on you. This is not even like borderline inappropriate content. It's like inappropriate. Yeah, we're not going to repeat it on yeah. here
0: because it's just certainly not appropriate. The article that we'll link that is from The Verge has a link to these these posts if you want to read them. Um, yeah, I think we, we're both in agreement. We certainly don't condone what he said. We would never condone what he said. But... Disney's in a tough position here. I mean, they are... And
1: people can change,
0: so... I think that's the biggest thing. Like, when you think about these people who maybe posted something 10 years ago and it gets brought back up now and someone's fired over as as a result of something they did in the past, where do we draw the line with people in terms of saying, oh, I've changed? I mean, are they just saying it because it's convenient? I
1: also think it's very important to note here that this was not... um, actions right like this was not like he did not assault or molest or he didn't right. hurt anybody provocative right messages right exactly but I would say put out less crappy content everyone and let's start with you know being good people
0: all right Maureen our final snack bag topic this week is only sort of tangentially related to pop culture but I wanted to bring it up because the story was so fascinating to me there was an article that came out on the Daily Beast earlier this week, written by Jeff Mache, and it is entitled How an Ex-Cop Rigged McDonald's Monopoly Game and Stole Millions. So if you're at all familiar with this, McDonald's, I don't think they do it anymore, but, you know, up through like the late 2000s you know, early 2010s, they were doing this game, this promotion where you could go to McDonald's and buy some fries, and you'd get a Monopoly piece on your fries, and you would try to get all the pieces to um, to win prizes. And the top prizes, McDonald's purposefully made it difficult to win those prizes. This article is about how this guy who ended up being like the head of security for the company that made these pieces how he essentially stole all of the he stole all of the major like
1: the million prizes. dollar winner or the 250000 dollars or, like the, $250, dollar, yeah. or the, the, the new cars, cars. <laughs> he
0: stole all of those pieces and like distributed them through a network of mobsters and his friends and it, the the article is just so bizarre it's
1: amazing that they didn't catch him like immediately right
0: he did it for years. 12 years before they finally caught him in this huge FBI sting that they called, Maureen, what do they call it? A
1: sting. The sting. Amazing writing right there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to bring this up because I was just shocked at how long this guy got away with this. Maureen, were you surprised? Yes, that-
1: it was all of his, like, acquaintances and family members who were winning all of this stuff. Like, McDonald's, hello. Like, I mean, I know he was kind of trying to scam you, but yeah. I, it's. Looking back at it now and through the article, it's really hard to see how he got away with it.
0: Yeah. So this guy's name was. He
1: was the only person who touched the tickets. Like, yeah,
0: this guy's name. I don't know how they they just process the process of elimination didn't realize that, oh, this is the only person who has access to all these high value tickets. The guy's name is Jerome Jacobson. They they ended up calling him Uncle Jerry, which is so just creepy. So creepy. Anyway, they finally caught him in two thousand one and. He went to prison for a couple years, and anyway, he they, they they ended up having to pay all the money back, with the exception of one million dollar ticket that got donated to a children's hospital, and McDonald's obviously said yes, you can keep that money.
1: Okay, but uh, they're they're having to pay back their money in fifty dollars a month installments. What? That's like. Yeah, less I think, than like gas in your car for the month like what is that that's like nothing
0: yeah i think that mcdonald's will never recoup all the money that was essentially stolen but i think the point was made that <laughs>
1: that's like a slap on the wrist it's like you could still be like living in your million dollar mansion and going on your well, boat no and you're but like, Oh, here's 50 bucks a month people
0: had to people went to prison
1: one uncle only uncle jerry no uncle
0: jerry and then some of the top people that he recruited also went to prison okay good so i don't know this story is wild it's it's a long read but if you're looking for something to read over the weekend it's definitely worth the read so we'll link it in the show notes
1: all right so let's move on to our marquee topic because i'm very excited to take a deep dive this week into glow
0: Okay, so I should preface this this by saying, yeah, we we will be spoiling some for as much as you can spoil in this kind of a show. It's not one of those shows that has like deep mysteries or anything like that. But we will be talking about season one and season two. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and bookmark this episode and come back after you've finished. So here's a little quick background on the show. It's a fictionalized version of something that was actually real. There is this thing... In the 1970s, I think, or early 80s called The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, where women were hired to create a female-centric wrestling show. So the TV show Glow was created by
1: Liz. Liz, we're going to do the best we can with your last name, Liz Flayhive.
0: Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch. It stars Allison Bree as Ruth Wilder, Betty Gilpin as Debbie Egan, and Mark Marin as Sam Sylvia, plus a wonderful and really diverse group of awesome women. Um, season one premiered in 2017, season two premiered in June 2018. And as of this recording, interestingly enough, Netflix has not renewed the show for a third season. What? Despite the fact that its first season was just nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series at this year's Emmys. So I don't know we'll we'll see if they end up renewing it i have to imagine they will it's one of their most critically acclaimed shows maureen let's let's start just give me your overall thoughts on the show i
1: really like it it took me like two or three episodes to get into it but then i really got invested in um the characters and particularly ruth um played by Alison Bree, who's like this nerdy little like actress weirdo aspiring actress. yeah she's but she's like neurotic and lovely um and, yeah, I just find it very entertaining. I don't really care about the whole wrestling part. Honestly, i like less of the wrestling, but I know that's, like, what it's about. But I, I, I really like the storytelling, and I like, I don't know, the relationships they're ve- developing between the characters, which I think we'll talk about in a second.
0: I what think, do you think? Yeah, I really like the show as well. I actually had started this show when it first came out in 2017. So I watched the first two episodes and I just, I sort of wasn't interested. And then Maureen and I were talking about a show we wanted to watch together because we don't watch a ton of TV together. And so I suggested this. This was when we tried to watch a couple different Netflix shows that we talked about when we did our deep dive on Netflix and she rejected several. And I also rejected several. That was when we tried BoJack Horseman. Boo. Anyway, so, yeah, we started this one, and I rewatched the first two episodes with Maureen, and I really liked it this time. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was that we were watching it together and we could talk <laughs> about it, or we were watching it after
1: BoJack Horseman. So yeah, maybe <laughs> it maybe we, even we more were watching amazing. it
0: after something that we didn't really love. The show is great, and I think that one of the best things about it is that there are a couple male characters in it, but the show really centers around female characters and their relationships with each other. And I just think that's really important. It's, it was created by two women. I just think that's really cool to see on TV.
1: What's your favorite moment of the show so far?
0: Okay, so my favorite moment from the show so far is probably in the... Ep- there's an episode in season two where um, Betty Gopin's character, Debbie, is wrestling uh, Alison Bree's character, and she ends up breaking her leg. So the the very next episode takes place almost entirely in the hospital, and there was just something about that episode. There wasn't a ton of action happening, but I think what was really interesting was that they they did a really nice job exploring the characters and their relationships with each other, and there's just some really funny moments in that. Okay, I want to use
1: that particular episode to share this observation that I have about Ways in which the audience has to suspend their disbelief in order to make shows like this plausible. So this episode that Josh is talking about is all – she breaks her leg, right? And she has to go to the emergency room. Ruth has no one in her life that she can call or have her take to the emergency room. So – Literally, only the people from the show, like, the cameraman who she, you know, has a crush on her, like, carries her there. And the girls all pile into one of the girls' cars, and they all go together. And then all of the wrestlers are, like, waiting in the thing. And the only people who come for her are the producer and the director. Like, she never calls her parents. There's no one else, like, outside of the show. It's like, that is her whole world. And in this case, like, I don't know. I just as an audience member I'm like okay cool I buy it like they're all best friends this is their life and as a real person I'm like there are so many people that I would call before even if even if your best friends were in the show with you there was still like so so I think that in several shows they 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 ask you to kind of pretend that the only people that matter in these people's lives are the ones in the TV show, right? You kind of have to suspend your disbelief like in that Like Friends? Way. Yeah, so I like was talking... Like The Office,
0: it- like Parks and Rec... Like, pretty much any comedy ever. Friends
1: is pretty egregious with it. It's like every major holiday, they're only having dinner with each other. I'm like, where are... I mean, like... And sometimes they'll say, like, oh, you know, Ross and Monica's parents were out of town or whatever. And sometimes Brad Pitt shows Joey has, like, a giant Italian family. You you mean to tell me, like, he's never seeing his nieces and nephews on Christmas and Thanksgiving? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, But in these shows, it's like the friends become the family they become the entire like network and this was just in my mind a perfect example of like wait a minute where is her family and even if they don't live there doesn't she need to call them or like no the producer paid her insurance like it was just like it's very interesting to me like you have to remind yourself because I think as an audience member I tend to get like oh well you know how is my life like that or whatever but again this is not reality. It's fictional TV. So it's very important that the characters only have each other. But if you really kind of look at it, it would be a little concerning.
0: I think the most the, the weirdest thing is that her parents never got called. I mean, I think they make it pretty clear from the pilot episode that her only friend is Debbie. But, and then, but how
1: is that possible? She's lived in L.A. for years and years and had many jobs. She only
0: has one friend. A one close friend. One? That's it? Yes, but if you think about it, it's not. Some people are like that. You are not like that, but some people are like that. They just have one close friend, and then she went and slept with her friend's husband, which is sort yeah. of the impetus for the whole show. That's how everything sort of gets gets the yeah, that's that's how they get the ball rolling in the show. Um, so she did her friend dirty anyway. Maureen, do you have um, do you have any favorite moments from the show?
1: Uh, I like. I think the character wrestling of Zoya when Alison Brie is her wrestling character, I think those are really fun moments. The first time she, you know, comes up with the idea of Zoya at this furniture store and, you know, she's just... Those, I think, are some of her most inspired moments. And that's when you get out of a little bit of, like, the shtick of her, like, whiny Ruth character and you get this, like, really fun persona that she puts on. All right. So what about least favorite moment from the show? I have one while you're thinking. Okay. Hit me with it. I, like, love to hate this moment, but they are doing a thing where the director, Sam Sylvia, is, like, always hating on everybody. He's, like, not a lovable person. He does not show affection. He's, like, you know, he the more he teases you or tortures you, the more he cares about you kind of thing. And they are slowly doing this, like like, age-old trope where, like, any attention anyone gets from him, it's, like... Oh, he's so nice. I'm like, no, he's not. He's actually horrible and treats people horribly. But, but it's like this, you know, soft or like tough guy thawing and and softening kind of thing. But I don't like the whole like him and Ruth like love connection that yeah. they're alluding to because like blah. not just
0: alluding to, but in the second to last episode, he tries to kiss her. Yeah, I now that you bring that up that that reminded me that I definitely don't like that either. That that plot line. And they're like
1: playing like the will they won't they? And I'm like I hope they don't because I, we, I we want her to be never. with the nice camera guy who likes her and is functional rather than with like the cocaine snorting mean director who like probably does love her deep down but I mean.
0: Yeah. Okay, Maureen, any loose ends or plot holes that they sort of that, that you can point uh, out
1: the main character debbie leaving her son like indefinite her six month old or like eight month old baby indefinitely to just go like to las vegas and yeah, that, do the next that was weird that was weird also they just sorry i think about these things because i think i'm in this phase of motherhood but like she was breastfeeding at the beginning and then all of a sudden like we never talked about any of her transition from like going to be a stay-at-home, like, completely stay-at-home mom not working in any capacity and breastfeeding to all of a sudden she's, like, throwing him in daycare, is no longer breastfeeding, like, doesn't mind being away from him. They kind of touch on it a little bit that she gets sad, but I think that that is, like, incomplete and they've glossed way over it.
0: I think that children in, in shows are just difficult to work with, you know, not just from a, like an actual standpoint, like the children are difficult, but it's hard to figure out how to place them. in. I mean, look yeah, at if a, they're not a main plot point, then it's even hard. Even when to, they are, I mean, look at a show like friends, like Ross had Ross a son. kid just disappeared. <laughs> and, and then Rachel and Ross had a, a kid and, she wasn't really around that much. But it was that's like, not a
1: main plot point. I mean, like, it, they're not moving the story ahead. It's not about them. They are right. part of their parents' lives, but like, that's very different than like the little boy in room, for example, who right. like is a major part of the drama.
0: Yeah, let's uh let's wrap this conversation up by tell telling me uh who your favorite character is, who your least favorite character is in the show.
1: Hmm. I mean, I think my favorite character is Ruth.
0: Are you? Do you feel like you're like Ruth?
1: Out of all of these crazy women, I'm probably most like ner- like Ruth. She's like the nerdiest and the most like, "Um, hey, I think we could be doing this better as a team, you guys." Very type and a. Yeah, that's my essence. Unfortunately,
0: Least favorite character?
1: Yeah, least favorite character. I'm thinking. Uh, Let me give you my
0: favorite character, and you can think of okay. your least favorite. I think my favorite character is the one of the girls. Her, na- her name is Carmen. She plays um the rest. Her wrestling alter ego is Machu Picchu, Um and she comes from a wrestling family. This the it's just a really fun role, and she's really good playing it. And her character has two brothers who are wrestlers. Her dad's a wrestler. Her lines are just really funny too. So she's probably one of my favorites.
1: My least favorite, I think, are the 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 like two hairdresser women. They're just who play kind of old like old ladies and yeah. then the toxic wrestlers. Yeah, they're just kind of like annoying throwaways. And they're not fleshing their characters out enough for me to care about them. So I want less of them. Yeah. What about you?
0: I could go either way on the person that they added for the. Of the um oh
1: yeah junk chain the junk new chain. Junk chain yeah
0: uh she didn't yeah. do much for me yeah it was fine like but but didn't really need her yeah last thing looking ahead to season three the the season two ended with the show glow so the, like the show within a show not getting picked up by the local network and so they got pitched to go to las vegas and do a live show you liking this direction now you don't. No. I actually do. The, the reason I like it is because. They're just isolating them even more. Right. But I just didn't know, like, I just couldn't get from the first two seasons where they were going to keep going with this. Like, how, how long could they yeah. keep producing this low budget TV show? They'd either have to, like, have a high budget and do it differently or they'd have to do something different and they did something different. I think it's going to be interesting if and when it could, gets renewed for season three. Well,
1: we hope so because we love the show, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's move on to teasers. Okay. Because I'm really excited to talk about mine. Maureen,
0: do you want to go first?
1: E- clearly, yes, I do. So uh, this week, mine is a series of articles on Refinery29 called Money Diaries. And I'm sure many of you were like, oh, I've been reading this for a really long time. Well, I just discovered it this week, and I'm newly obsessed. So it's basically a series of articles where readers, so people just like you and me, will write in. And it's focused on women um, as kind of like the last... I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like the last thing, the last hurdle for women in the workforce, right? It's still really awkward to talk about money and to talk about exactly how much you make and what you spend your money on. And so, this series of articles is women writing in and saying exactly how they spend their days and anything they spend money on for an entire week. And it's fascinating to learn about people's. Like I love learning about their schedules as in like what time do they wake up? What is their morning routine? Like what when do they get to work? When do they leave work? Like how do they balance working out? Well, people are really dedicated to fitting their workouts in, which I am not. So I really should take a cue from them. Um, and then they say exactly how much money they spend and what they spend it on. So I would definitely check it out, refinery29.com,
0: and you can search for Money Diaries. Josh, how about you? My teaser this week is a Netflix original series jessica jones we didn't talk about this when we talked about the the netflix series a couple weeks ago because i hadn't watched it then but i knew that marvel had done a bunch of tv shows on netflix one of them being jessica jones so i decided to check it out it's really really good it was created by melissa rosenberg starring kristen ritter who you might remember from breaking bad if you watch that she was also on a short-lived TV show the on B and, The Bee and Apartment yeah. 23. Um, she's really good and also stars um, David Tennant who was on Doctor Who for a while. The show is like not anything you would expect from a Netflix show. It's sort of like noir based. Um, Jessica Jones is a private investigator and a figure from her past, David Tennant's character um, who's called Kilgrave. He comes back into the picture in the first season. Kilgrave. Kilgrave. yeah. Hmm. I mean it's based on a comic book So you can imagine that the, the okay. character names Are a little strange But anyway um, the show's really good It's really well done It's another female centric uh, show And I definitely think it's worth checking out So it's on Netflix Season 1 came out in 2015 Won a Peabody award which is pretty impressive And season 2 came out I believe in 2017 And uh, they're working on season 3 now So check it out
1: Awesome so that's our show for this week Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you, and we would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the podcast. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com.
0: Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episode. We put out a new one every Friday. And if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating and a review. Thank you to the people who've done that so far. It really helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then.